we, we were at a minister's meeting this week, and uh, uh, there was a, a, a youth guy. He's uh, for the district or, or the eastern United States or whatever. He gets up, and he's, you know, it's like, boy, he's, he's you know, he's really at it, you know. I should take lessons. <laughs> and uh, I told him, I, I, he was talking to us after, after the meeting, and I said, oh, we've been in Wimber. And he said, where are you from? Uh, not long you've been there. 42 years. He goes, 42 years? Wow, i got to have your picture. Here, he wanted a selfie with us, you know. <laughs> it's like, whoa, I like this guy, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> he was really enthusiastic. I could use some of that, you know. <laughs> what happened to the pastor? I don't know. He must have taken a pill. <laughs> Too much coffee. So, well, I'm not going there, but I just thought I would, you know, liven it up a little bit. So, but anyhow, this morning, <laughs> this morning, the title of the message is Being One with God. Now, this is a real challenge. Being one with God. Now we think, okay, being one with God. Hmm. Well, I have Christ in my heart. You know, I ask Jesus to forgive me my sins. Is that what he's talking about? Well, yes, but there's more. See, the importance, we look at this scripture, and it's in John chapter 17. And this is Jesus. Now, he has just finished his prayer for the disciples, and now he starts his prayer for you and I. And he's praying on behalf of those who will believe. Whoa. Jesus is praying for those who will believe. That's us. And we have gotten to this place of believing through what the disciples what Jesus gave to the disciples and the disciples spread to the early church and so on and so on and Paul and his missions. And so all of that has come from this three-year ministry of this individual, Jesus, and that he is writing here in John chapter 17, uh, verse 20, he is writing and talking about how he is praying or he is offering this prayer for us. Wow. Being one with God. What would be the purpose of that? Well, one of them is, and this isn't a, a and I, this is not the outline of my sermon. I'm going through the verse by verse. But one of the purposes is that the world may believe, and the world may know Jesus. So when we're looking at this prayer, Jesus is praying for us that the world would know that He is alive, that He is a Savior, Messiah. He is the one who has come to save us from our sins. And for all believers that we would be one in Christ. God does not see a difference in his body because there are different locations in different buildings. We are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Even though we are in different locations, different buildings, different parts of the world. And that we would see his glory. Wow. All of that is part of what Jesus is praying for. He says in verse 20. I am not praying only for these men, meaning the disciples, but for all those who will believe in me through their message. Wow. <laughs> Jesus is praying for me. For you. 2,000 years ago, he was, he was praying for you. And that his prayer doesn't stop, it doesn't end, for the word of God is eternal and it continues to be effective just as much as it was effective at the time that he, that he spoke it. So now, 
what do you think would be his most important thing? What do you think would be the most important thing that Jesus would think of when he's praying for us? Okay? How about taking all the things we've prayed for in the last six months and putting it, do you think it makes the list that Jesus is praying for, <laughs> for us? Uh, I don't think so. So the following is what Jesus requested. He requested that we would be one. One. I mean, what a lame request. I mean, think about it. I mean, I'm just not making light of what Jesus had, but if I'm, I'm saying, you know, come to a prayer service, come believing God, and when you get there, we're all going to be one. <laughs> How many's coming? You know, uh, you have something else besides being one? Well, Jesus was letting us know the power of being part of the body of Christ. He is letting us know that the body of Christ is very important to him, Jesus, who is the head, and we as individuals. Because whenever you take, um, I, you know, you've seen the illustration of sticks and so on. You, you put one, you bring one little twig together and, and you, you take and you break it. But if you take about 10 of those little twigs and put them together, you can't break it because they have become as one. Well, in our life, when you take the oneness that we have in Christ, there's more power, there's more strength, there's more oneness, there's more, there's more influence in that whole body than just being simple. So when Jesus simply won... So when Jesus is asking us to be one in him, it's more than just being agreeable. Um, it's being in communication and being part of the body of Christ. So verse, verse 21 says that they may, be, may all be one. So how does that help if you are agreeable? It doesn't. It's more than just being agreeable. It is more than agreeing with someone. It is the body of Christ throughout the world proclaiming his purpose and his glory. Some have taken this oneness with God, and it was, uh, this was uh, to the point of being deific deification. Now, this is not what we're thinking of. Deification is that they are uh, taking themselves to this, literally making themselves divine. <laughs> you know, some of the cults and so on, Individuals have taken this, we are one with God to the extent that they are divine. <laughs> Don't touch me, I'm God. So that's not what he was talking about. And how about the other, the other group was the, they are united with Christ by being completely possessed by his spirit. So being completely possessed by his spirit, this was in the 17th century, they used the expression to signifying the deification which they had in, in, imagined they attained. So being with one with God, they have separated themselves to the point that we are deified, we are one with God, and we are much better than the rest of you. <laughs> Where's the oneness? So you see, those are not the meetings. Whenever we're talking about um, being one with God, these are not the idea that we're going to be deified or that we are divine and somehow make a transcendence between humanity and spiritual. One of the things that was interesting, I thought, is that in the ancient culture, they didn't see a difference between the physical and spiritual. They thought that they were both the same. 
So sometimes when we're reading the scriptures and we're looking at that in some, in like the Old Testament and so on, they, they saw their physical state as a spiritual state also, that the two were together. And we don't see that. That's not part of who we are. So the scripture speaks of this oneness. He says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy, dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Oneness. The unification of the body of Christ is being able to see one another as valuable, a valuable asset to the body of Christ. That your right hand has to see that the left hand is a valuable asset to the body. That your left hand has to see that the right foot is a valuable asset. So you see, whenever we're looking at things and we're looking at the body of Christ, we have to see ourselves as valuable. And this union that we have with Christ is a covenant. It's an agreement that God has given us. This morning in the Sunday School lesson, one of the uh, texts that was difficult to understand was the um, relationship that God established with Abram. And he had Abram take uh, different animals, the uh, heifer, um, a goat, a lamb, at three years old, meaning that they were at the prime of their, their life. And he had them killed and divided in half, split them in two, and laid them down as an offering with a gap between them so that you could walk between them. And it was in, in a vision and in a dream that God gave to Abraham to Abram, that he and God were passing through between these sacrifices, God came with a pitcher of fire and a um, torch, and that the, uh, the understanding is that the covenant that is made with God is that it will not be broken. And should it be broken by either party, may they have the same outcome as these animals that were sacrificed. So when God is establishing a covenant agreement, he is putting his life on the line. And you see, he did put his life on the line with Jesus Christ. He established a covenant, the agreement with us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, and then establish us in this union with him. And that's what, as we look at this verse, these verses, that's the point that is so hard, I think, to grasp that we are one with God. God is one with us. So, wow. To imagine God wants to be one with me, and that he will, get, he will allow me to have admission to the throne room of God? And the answer is yes. God became flesh and thus became one with humanity. Our union with Christ is a faith union which by Faith, Christians depend on Christ for all things. So having Christ in us is, is not like a, a badge or a, a medal that we wear. It is letting us know God is with us and that I am with him. Nothing can ever separate me. Paul says in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians 6.17, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. In verse 
uh, chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Job even knows this. He says, the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Wow. So we see throughout the scripture, this is not just one isolated, what we're reading here in the prayer of Jesus, this is not just one isolated verse. It is something that has comes up over and over again throughout the scriptures that we are one with God, that we are God's dwelling place, and God lives within us. Verse 21 continues, that they may be, that they may all be one, meaning every believer. The wisdom from above is first pure, peaceable, and agreeable. Being one, <laughs> do you ever meet somebody who's not agreeable? <laughs> Well, they're not saved. <laughs> they're not going to go to heaven. No, you see, somewhere in I, ha I have here, what is the what is the curve on becoming close to God? What is the curve in this whole idea of you know beginning this race, beginning this relationship with God, and and reaching this place of completion in Him? You know the the what is the total package look like here? Where are we headed for in this relationship with God? What's it going to look like when we get there? Well, you're going to be one with him. Well, we started out here with one with him. Well, where, how does the change take place? Let's go on. Verse 21. Just as you, Father, live in me, and I live in you, I am asking that they may live in us. Whoa. I mean, these, these verses, I don't know about you, but they kind of like take me back a little bit and I was really challenged at trying to put this together because in my mind it's hard to it's hard to imagine what this looks like when Jesus is saying just as you father live in me I can get that God the father God the son God the holy spirit triune live, you know one one God three distinct um as it were persons personalities three one three and one Father, you live in me, and I live in you. Okay, that sounds good. I'm asking that they, us, you and I, may live in us. It's not a secluded group. It's not a, um, what is it called? A group that is, cuts everybody off. God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're this, this group here. You can't get in, you know. You're not good enough to get in. Well, this group, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this personage of God is saying, you belong here. You belong here in me. Just as much as I belong there in you. When we were created, God created a spot, a place in our spiritual person that God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son are to, is to occupy. So when the Holy Spirit, when Jesus Christ is in our hearts and our lives, he fills that place that he created, the void. And so it's, it's kind of easy for us, or from, and my thoughts, to think of how God wants to abide in, in me. So he lives in me. But then, whenever he extends the invitation, he says, here, you come live in us. Do you ever go to somebody's house and you feel uncomfortable? <laughs> you know, 
it's just it's just something about not the, the the place but the people they just don't make you feel comfortable well god wants us to feel comfortable in his presence father just as you father live in me and i live in you i am asking that they may live in us you see my existence my living is greater than my life to live in god does not make me divine it is the divine in me that makes my life it's what makes me who I am. You see, we were created for God to live in us and that God would help us do the things that are part of who we are as an individual. We don't have to become somebody different. We just become the person we were intended to be. And God is in us, wanting us to excel in this life with God. But he also wants us to know, you're not in this alone. Come into my presence, into my being Come away with me. When Jesus was um, with the disciples, he took uh, Peter, James, and John. They went up on the mountain, the Mount of Transfiguration. And there Jesus was transfigured before them. And in that place of transfiguration was Moses and Elijah. <laughs> and there they are. They're in Jesus, is in their presence. They're, they're in Jesus. They're together in this whole thing. And the disciples say, let's build a building <laughs> for each of them. <laughs> And Jesus says, you missed the whole point. They are together in this work. You see, Moses brings the law. Elijah brings the prophets. And they come together in Christ. The law and the prophets come together in Jesus. The Old Testament finds its fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And there on that mountain, they came together, bringing the law and the prophets there with Jesus, put them all together in one, in Jesus Christ. And now Jesus Christ is saying, let's put you together with the Father and with me. You want me to be that teenager? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> he's stomping around, got his hands in the air, and he's talking about everybody pray this prayer with me. That was fun. If I did that, you'd think I was nuts. But anyhow, so the life we live is in the presence, is to the present, excuse me, I wrote this and sometimes my writing is not fluent whenever I go back and rewrite it and things like that. So the life we live is to present to the world Jesus Christ. The main mission of our life is to be in the body of Christ and that the world would come to believe. You see, love flows through us. We cannot live for God without his help and his presence. And so we are not to live our life without his help and his presence. It doesn't mean that we get up in the morning and, okay, what, see, I couldn't do this. God, what do you want me to wear today? What shirt, what pants? Because God is already, God, the servant of God, my wife, has already made that decision. She's already made that decision, what I'm going to wear. That's okay, though, because I don't want to make that choice. Yeah. So uh, if, if I'm there, God, what do you want? Oh, I don't have to make that decision. She's already done that. So, <laughs> so the idea is that 
God wants us to fulfill his will, and we don't have to, you know, should I go left or should I go right? Uh, am I deified? No. We're still stubbing your toe and it hurts. You're not, you're not divine, okay? So we have the presence of God, and God wants to lead us through our life. And so here we are, and you're in school. <laughs> you're in school. <laughs> what, what is divine about this? <laughs> It's about learning, and it's about discipline. It's about doing the things. You go to work every day. This doesn't feel divine. <laughs> but we find that in the presence of our life and the doing of what God has called us to do at this moment, he is there with us. So the purpose is that the world may believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that there's no other way to God, and we don't have to stand on a soapbox. We just need to be Jesus right where we're at because I'm in him he is in me we are together in this until the day that we go home to heaven in which we'll have it all kind of fit together Jesus says I give this verse 22 Jesus says I give them I get I have given them the honor that you gave me Jesus saying this to God the Father he's praying and he's saying, Father, I'm giving to all of those who will believe in me, you and I. I'm giving them honor. And it is the same honor that, Father, you gave to me. <laughs> the same honor God the Father gave to Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'm giving it to you. This honor is this oneness, this um, com the complement, this completeness that we find in Christ, the honor, the integrity, the righteousness that is in Jesus, given by the Father, Jesus gives to us, and the reason is that we may be one. Now, it's not only one as the body of Christ, but one with Jesus himself. As we are one, Father, I in them and you in me. I, Jesus, in us, and Jesus in us, in God the Father. Wow. Have you ever felt alone? Ever felt no one cares? Have you ever felt that this life and the situations we are in are just simply out of touch and away from God? And the answer is that these are lies from the devil because you can never be alone. If you're God's child, you've forgiven, you've been forgiven, God is in you and you're not alone. You see, the trick of the enemy of our soul is to get us to doubt what God has already given us. To doubt that God doesn't love us. Or situations prove something different contrary to life. But the challenge for us is that we may be one with God and not allow the things of this life to distort or destroy that completeness that we find in Christ, in God the Father. When Jesus is on the cross, he's going through this terrible suffering and this death that, you know, the agony of, of the cross, and he's going through this, and, you know, <laughs> you know, Father, you know, this in, in the garden, he says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. You know, this is, this is not something I wanted, I, I, I just 
my human flesh does not want to go through. But nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And on the cross, he's taken on the agony, the sin of the world, and everything is dark and he feels forsaken. But it's only because for Jesus, he has taken on that, that darkness, that aloneness that we will never have to face again. We will never have to face. Because Jesus took that on at the cross. And we will never face that. So when we feel that way, that's not God. It's just kind of our human feelings getting in the way. But now they, <laughs> you and I, are one in Christ and one with believers. So I was going to have you look at each other and tell one another you're not all there. But I won't do that. Because you're in heaven. You're seated with God in heavenly places. Part of you, your faith, your spiritual part of you is missing. <laughs> you know, and, and, and like God is in us and we are in God and God is here. God is in heaven and God sees the entire world and the universe. He created and it's all in perspective. And wow, we're together in this. And nothing can ever separate us from God. Well, his divine provision does not need to come from heaven. When we are praying, we don't have to wait for heaven, you know, how far away is it and how long does it take for the answer to come from God from heaven to send out the, everybody else to, you know, come and make this happen. It doesn't exist. It's not up there. It's right here. God is here inside of me. And that's why when the Spirit quickens us, it quickens the Word. And so when we pray, is it really God? This is a challenge for us. Maybe it's God praying through you to hear, for your voice and mind will hear what your prayers are. You see, I'm not, well, this, this whole idea of I am, if you, I am a loser, well, losers, you know, everything that's losing follows in on you. I am victorious in Christ. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. That's the Spirit of God praying through us. That's the word of God being inspired in our hearts and our minds, and we are professing and walking in that direction that God is going to take us through no matter what we face. I am more than a conqueror. You know, I am one with Jesus, and this is coming from the inside. It's not something we're thinking, it's something that we're hearing in our heart from the word. And it flows from you. That's why it's so important to speak the truth. To speak the truth in love, in faith. That it's inspirational. It's inspirational. The inspiration of life and of love and of victory and overcoming and more than a conqueror. That's, that's the Spirit of God speaking through us. 1 Corinthians 8 says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. One Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. We exist in God the Father. To God, there is nothing ordinary about you. To God, there is nothing ordinary about you. 
because he is, a, he is living and abiding within you. And, you, you know, when God is there, you're extraordinary. <laughs> you know, what is ordinary? What is extraordinary? A little extra into the ordinary and you're it. <laughs> I know, I got to hurry. Verse 23, that they may grow completely into one. So imagine the strength that comes from being one with God. The aim of the enemy of our soul is to break the connection or hinder what God has established. And whenever we repeat the word and we speak the word, we are telling Outwardly, we are saying with our mind and our heart what God has inspired in our, in our spirit. You see, unleash. <laughs> you know, I, I was praying about this and you know, my, my thoughts came and whether it was God or me, I'm, we'll find out. But the idea is unleash, unleash the spirit, meaning don't hold God back with your preconceived ideas. Our preconceived ideas are things that, like, God on a leash. He can only go so far. He can only do so many things because this is out of bounds for us. Well, let me uh, let you know that God is a God who heals, who forgives, who brings into our hearts and minds an understanding that we are loved by God and he has done everything possible to keep us and to save us and to prepare a place for us in eternity and given us an opportunity to serve him and the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And it's not that I am some, you are some super spiritual person, it's that you are this extraordinary individual who is created by God with whom the spirit of God just fills and overflows and that spirit speaks to us, it speaks to us scripture. And the Holy Spirit inspires that word to our minds and hearts. It doesn't take us off in some strange direction. It gives us fulfillment and strength in the steps that we're already taking. Amen. So what is the learning curve of oneness with God? What is the learning curve of the oneness with God? Well, I've been at this... 72 years, and I think I'm just getting started. <laughs> the curve has just started maybe to go up a little, you know. Uh, I always hated people who set the curve. And if you don't know what that is, those are the smart people in classes in college that they would get 98s on the test and everybody else in the whole class got 60s, you know. If you got 58, you failed because this smart person had 98 and nobody else could keep up with them, and they set the curve. <laughs> well, setting the curve in, in our oneness with God is Jesus sets the curve, and his, he sets the curve in his grace and his mercy and his patience and his love. I have loved them. Jesus says this, I have loved them as you love me, and just as you and I are one, verse 24, I want those whom you have given me to be with me where I am. God wants you and I to be with him where he is. 
That's an open door. He's just saying to open, you know, Jesus would go away to be alone and to pray. Think about the open door that God presents before us. I want those, you and I, whom you have given me to be with me that where, where I am. Did you ever hear Jesus say, I want? We often think, well, that's the kids. I want and I want. Jesus says, I want. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. Jesus says that I want you to be with me. He also says, I want them to see that glory which you have given, which you have made mine. I want them to see the glory that you've made. Wow, Jesus even said that. I want. <laughs> I want for your love to be, I want you, excuse me, verse 24. For you loved me before the world began. Father of goodness and truth, this is verse 25, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these men now know that you have sent me. I have made yourself known to them. We know that Jesus sent us. Jesus was sent to us and will continue to do so that the love which you have had for me may be in their hearts and that I may be in there also. Verse 26, Jesus says, I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. <laughs> wow. The same love that God, Jesus experiences from the Father, the same love that he has to the Father, is the same love that combined that he wants to, us to experience. And he wants us so much to experience it, he wants us to come and be in that love, be involved in that, to be enfolded in his love for us. Wow. God has made himself known whether it was to Adam and Eve or to Noah or Abraham, but primarily is made known in Jesus Christ. God chose to make an agreement, a covenant, between individuals and himself. Jesus came as a fulfillment of the Old Testament covenant to establish this New Testament covenant with his own blood, with his life, his death, but with his resurrection. As we confess our faith, Christ has promised to make this covenant real, personal, and involved. As I am one with the Father, I am one with them. Jesus is one with us. If we could do a spiritual DNA test, our ancestry would look back and see that the disciples were our ancestors, and Jesus Christ is where it began. Wow. He reveals himself that we as believers would become one with one another and one with Christ. So, being one with God, <laughs> it's, not, it's nothing that we do, it's what we accept. 
God has already done it. And he wants us to receive it. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. God, thank you that you reveal your word to our hearts and minds. And whatever we in our inabilities to speak to your word, that your Holy Spirit will make it real to our hearts and lives, that we are loved by you, and that you want us to experience your love towards us, but you also want us to walk into your arms and be hugged by you. Help us, Lord, to sense that love in us that you give. And whenever we have found that love or experienced that love, we find the oneness of the body of Christ where there is strength. And God, we find your word to be hopeful, be positive, be strengthening, and encouraging. So thank you, God. Thank you that you loved us, and God, you invite us to walk into your love. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are loved. <laughs>